0: Despite recent moves, interest rates are really low, like historically low. So where will they go from here? Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin.
1: And I'm Robert Sarenbetts.
0: And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments.
1: In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights, from the multi-asset solutions team. What we think matters is we manage investment solutions.
0: That includes Mainstay's Income Builder Fund, as well as individual solutions for our partners.
1: By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors.
0: Welcome, everybody. It's the week of June 8th, 2020, a.k.a. Fed Week.
1: It's your favorite week.
0: The best week.
1: Yes, but instead of focusing entirely on the Fed... Wait, what? I know. We're going to be talking about the path of interest rates and how that impacts thinking about an investor portfolio. So basically the Fed, I guess. (laughs) Okay, fine. All right. But before we get started, uh, let's lay some groundwork for this conversation. Interest rates are super important. U.S. Treasury bonds are basically the pricing mechanism for everything in our economy and in markets. So if rates move higher, financing becomes more expensive. Uh, For us, for consumers, that means it's more expensive to get a car or a home. And for businesses, it could make or break an investment project.
0: For markets, some move up in interest rates would suggest a stronger macroeconomic environment, which is bullish for risk assets. But that depends on your starting point. Fast and big moves higher in rates can weigh on equities and increase the cost of hedging, chasing international
1: investors away. So despite an impressive rally in equities, rates haven't moved all that much.
0: Well, that wasn't exactly the message last week. And it's important to say this, actually. As we talk about the drivers of interest rates, we're thinking in the medium term, so maybe six to 12 months. A market risk on sentiment and a cyclical upswing, which is what we've seen over the past couple of weeks, can definitely contribute to higher rates in a shorter term.
1: Exactly. So thinking about the big picture for rates here, um, one argument that we're hearing is that because interest rates are super low right now, it seems more likely that interest rates and specifically treasury bond yields move higher from here rather than lower.
0: It's one way to think about it. But what we've been working on with the team is breaking it down a bit more scientifically.
1: I love science. Let's do it. Okay,
0: let's break it down. So The level of interest rates, and let's just say we're talking about a nominal treasury yield here, are determined by the path of policy interest rates. That's one, Mm -hmm. what the Fed sets, plus inflation expectations. That's two. And also the term premium for risks like inflation or sovereign credit risks. That's three main factors.
1: Okay, okay. So you have central bank policy rates, inflation expectations. and then anything else that make investors want to be compensated more for lending their period, their money for longer, let's say. So one, two, three items we care about for yields. Exactly. Okay. Well, the policy rate for central banks is, is probably going to be low for years. Uh, Inflation is also probably years away and doesn't seem like there's much risk right now because of central bank action uh, that would be reflected in that term premium. So by that math... I, I say rates never would move higher. (laughs) Well,
0: yeah, um, that's about it. It might be worth expanding on those factors a little bit for our audience.
1: Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about it a bit more. The policy rates at the end of the program, but suffice it to say, uh, they'll probably be low for a long time. So do you want to talk about inflation?
0: Yeah, Okay. So if if policy rates are going to be low, and again, we'll get to that. Inflation is a big debate in the markets right now. Some point to the enormous amount of monetary and fiscal stimulus and say that inflation is coming soon because of those factors. That would push nominal yields higher. We're not so sure about that. Demand destruction, which would be deflationary, has been even larger than policy stimulus to date. And markets have been in a show-me-the-money mood with respect to inflation for the past several years. Inflation expectations probably won't move much higher until inflation actually moves up, and also the Fed allows it to move up.
1: Mm, okay, so that stuff is all definitely possible, but it sounds like it could be years away?
0: Yeah, exactly. So inflation expectations aren't likely to be the the big factor putting upward pressure on Treasury yields, again, more than for a, a few weeks at a time.
1: Okay, um, and that brings us then to the term premium, which admittedly I was a bit snarky about earlier, uh, but- I think that's likely to stay low, too. Um, A lot of investors just need duration, uh, which is long-term bonds. Uh, And for the United States, creditworthiness isn't that big of a concern, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, Not to mention that quantitative easing is likely to keep a damper on that risk premium for at least another year or two.
1: Wow. Okay. So the original idea is that there's not that much further down for yields to move. And that might be true. Um, And it might be true that we see some short-term instances of rates moving higher when markets are feeling good. But that doesn't mean that we'll see sustained upward moves in rates for some time.
0: Now it's time for our portfolio pause, a section in the program where we share an investment idea.
1: Yeah. The most straightforward takeaway from our discussion on interest rates today is that an investor should probably add interest rate duration in order to gain additional yield, meaning you invest in longer term debt, which is more sensitive to changes in interest rates, but usually carries a higher yield with it.
0: Yeah, that's right. So conventional wisdom around interest rate duration is if you think rates aren't going to move very much, then adding duration is a good way to add yield. But one of the things we've been saying about building flexibility in portfolio has actually had to do with a different type of duration. So that was interest rate duration, Uh, But there's also credit duration.
1: Right. The idea that uh, short duration exposure to high yield or higher risk credits generally has less volatility during market sell-offs or risk-off markets, and so it can hold up a bit better.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just important to make that distinction between interest rate duration and credit duration. And one thing I'll mention, thanks to the analysis by our product team, is that high yield securities and their shorter duration counterparts actually performed pretty similarly during the last downturn.
1: Interesting. So does that actually mean that, you know, moving shorter in duration doesn't work?
0: Well, it's important not to ignore the lessons we could actually learn there. So this crisis was unusual in that so many investors were looking to raise cash at the same time, shorter durations, more liquid, more flexible than normal high yield. And so that meant both types of high yield exposure saw sell-offs at the same time. It's a bit unusual.
1: Got it. But but it was an an unusual sell-off in general because basically all asset classes sold off.
0: Exactly. So I wouldn't say that the strategy doesn't work. Generally speaking, um, if you're worried about credit duration, moving shorter duration and high yield can make sense. But as always, it's it's mindful to, or it's important to be mindful of the macroeconomic environment and use good managers to help you navigate that uncertainty. Yeah. Coming up this week.
1: Okay, now you can talk about Fed Week.
0: Fed Week!
1: Have you gotten your full-size cutouts of your favorite central bankers yet?
0: Honestly, it would make my Zoom call backgrounds incredible, but maybe a little bit distracting.
1: (laughs) All right. So what do you expect from the Fed's meeting and press conference this week?
0: Well, since you asked, technically, the Fed could make some policy changes, like announcing a formal QE program instead of engaging in the sort of discretionary emergency-focused purchases like they're doing now. I don't think they're going to do that. Focusing on crisis response still makes sense until they have a better sense of where things will level off. The one big question I have is, will they strengthen their forward guidance? You know, I expect and I think you expect that policy interest rates will be near zero for years, but the Fed's official actual messaging is ambiguous. So will they give us more language or just adjust some of their economic forecasts to give us hints?
1: Mm, so you're saying no negative rates?
0: No, no, still no negative rates um, and no equity purchases either. In fact, e- equity purchase is probably the least likely thing we'd see.
1: Interesting. Do you think that they might strike a more upbeat tone this time around?
0: You know, I think it's possible that they'll point to some of the economic data being better or showing a, a starting to show a clear bottoming. Uh, but where the Fed is concerned, Full employment is still the most important thing, and from that perspective, you know, even though the jobs report we saw on Friday was better than expected, it's still an unacceptably high unemployment rate, and so the Fed's still in emergency response mode.
1: Yeah, and you know, the, that unemployment report may be better than expected because some things are returning to normal, uh, and that brings me to the reopening news, which, like I said, looks like we're doing a pretty good job. Uh, More and more people are flying on planes and eating out. Um, Bars in Las Vegas and theme parks in Orlando opened up. And so even New York City, the U.S. epicenter for COVID-19 is set to begin opening today, June 8th.
0: Yeah, well, at least construction and manufacturing will reopen. So Red Hook can get busy manufacturing things and I'll still be here on my couch.
1: (laughs) I will also be on my couch. But more importantly... In my opinion, are the conditions under which all of these businesses open, temperature checks, limited capacity, and technological changes like contactless payment are all really cool developments um, that help the reopening go smoothly? But it's still pretty early, and all of these changes come at a big compliance cost.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the the stats you shared with me last week that I thought was really interesting was TSA volume, so the number of people checking in for flying, and. It's about 15% of the 2.2 million per day that we used to see. But it's increasing steadily now at a rate of about 10,000 people per day. And so if you took that trend forward, we'd be back to normal airline volumes by the end of the year. But I just think that linear path to recovery isn't very likely. That sounds optimistic. I, I would doubt that You know, at least on that timeline, we get all the way back to normal so quickly because there's still going to be groups of people who are either risk averse or, or immunocompromised and aren't willing to really take that risk that this comes back.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. And like you said, that that's the willingness of normal people to re-engage with the economy is going to be the most important ingredient uh, to this story moving forward.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. And well, that's it for today. Uh, We'll be back next week with more market matters.
1: Let us know what matters to you.
0: Yeah. If you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on social media.
1: That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at nylinvestments.com slash blog. Until then, I'm Robert Betts
0: And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about Mainstay Funds, call 1 800 624 6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances, and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.